Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 15, Anxiously Waiting. We are still waiting for Dwayne The Rock Johnson's tease announcements. I know it's disappointing, but let's not lose faith yet. The Super Bowl is difficult to compete with, which could mean we will hear something mid to late this week. As for today's episode, later in the show, I will be joined by well-known alternative football enthusiast Bert Tierce to discuss the potential impact of the Brian Flores lawsuit with the National Football League on the XFL. But first, we have a few developments to discuss. So let's get to it. On February 8th, Outkick 360 had USFL President Ed Hartman as a guest. The interview wasted little time before the XFL was mentioned. I would like to share with you the segment. Right now, we say hello to Ed Hartman. He is the Executive Vice President of the USFL and uh, VP for Fox, and uh, he's joining us uh, across uh, the city here, here in Los Angeles. Ed, uh, great to have you on the show for the first time. Hope things are well. Great to uh, be on. Thanks for having me. And I think last time I saw you all was uh, in Knoxville for the Bowling Green game a few months ago, which was a lot of fun. So good to be uh, back in touch. Absolutely. Uh, I, let's let's start with USFL. Um, you are the executive vice president of the league, and everything gets going in just a couple of months, April 16th, that weekend. Um, are things moving way too fast right now as you look at the calendar and think about everything that needs to be done for the league as we get set to kick off the, the USFL? Listen, we're excited. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. There has been for many months. Um, we've made a number of exciting announcements over the last, uh, last few months. There's, you can rest assured many more to come in the, in the coming weeks and months uh, uh, through to kick off. But Look, it's a, a lot of work starting a new uh, a new football league, but um, we're very confident with uh, what we're building and very excited about the kickoff on April 16th. We saw uh, ill-timed attempts by the Alliance and the XFL uh, resurrection. Pandemic obviously had a lot to, to, to say about what went on there. How much did you guys look at, at what they did, what they didn't do? What were the lessons learned from, from their attempts? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Paul. There's a number of learnings that we're leaning on as we build out this league, um, you know, based on the past experience of those leagues you mentioned. Um, I think, firstly, it's a it's a misconception that the XFL was a, a failure last time around. You know, the ratings of the XFL in the three weeks that um, uh, it was around for before COVID were actually exceptional. There was outrating the NBA for those three weeks. And so, based on that and based on other research we've done, we're very, very confident that there is a strong demand for additional football in the spring. I find it interesting that an interview with a competing alternative football league's executive essentially starts off with the XFL being mentioned. And in doing so, Hartman sets the record straight that XFL 2.0 was not a failure. Even more fascinating part is that he straight up said, and I quote, the ratings before the pandemic were exceptional. It was outrating the NBA, end quote. Maybe I'm a bit too excited over Hartman's comments. But how can this not be taken as praise and something that should shut up the naysayers? I just have to say, to those who have any doubt that the XFL will return, 
or that it will not be successful. If you honestly believe that, you have not been paying attention. You need to forget whatever misconceptions that you have and revisit XFL 2.0. As I have previously mentioned during the last episode, sharing former Dallas Renegades Director of Player Personnel, Daryl Moose Johnston's comments. The pandemic single-handedly killed Vince McMahon's net worth. He had no choice but to shift his entire focus onto the entity that made him successful, the WWE. After all, that is his legacy and his family's future. So have faith. XFL 2.0 created a solid starting point. Looking at how the current ownership group is built, I see experiences that complement each other's weaknesses. I believe that Jerry Cardinal and Redbird Capital's inclusion is the difference maker. Their experience within the sports industry will be crucial in the restart and the future of the league. Then on February 8th, new Houston Texans head coach Lovey Smith appointed former D.C. Defenders head coach Pep Hamilton as the team's offensive coordinator. This appointment essentially removes Hamilton from any consideration of returning to the XFL sidelines in 2023. Even if things were to go south and Hamilton ended up getting relieved from this role, I couldn't see it happening before week four or five of the 2022 National Football League season, which would be October and far too late for the XFL. We need to keep in mind the XFL player combine will be this June. Obviously, each of the head coaches will have been hired before then. I would also anticipate most of the team's coaching staffs being hired for the teams to evaluate players and prepare for the draft. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by Burt Tierce to discuss the Brian Flores lawsuit against the National Football League and its potential impact on the XFL. He is an administrator of True XFL and USFL fans, as well as the Birmingham Stallions official fan group. Burt also frequently appears as guest on multiple alternative football shows. Welcome, Bert. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss the much talked about and the impact of the lawsuit filed against the National Football League and three of its teams by former Miami Dolphins head football coach Brian Flores might have on the XFL. And I appreciate you having me on your show. Glad to be here and love to talk anytime it's got anything to do with football, especially spring football. I'm here. Awesome. It's definitely interesting what's going on with the uh, lawsuit. I think it could definitely impact XFL moving forward. I agree. But before we get started here, can you take a moment and provide some of your backstory for our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, Been following spring football forever. We've got a uh, spring football group. It was 100% true XFL fans. Now it's just true XFL and USFL fans. We've had that platform, uh, gosh, for about three or four years now. We also used to run, I think, the second largest SEC group on Facebook for six or seven years. And we've also started our official Birmingham Stallions fan group since I'm in the Birmingham area. Huge football fan, willing to talk about it. and. At times, I've had plenty of insiders in certain leagues, but I'm trying to get my foot in the door of the USFL as we speak. Now, you have made appearances on other shows as well. So if somebody was interested in potentially checking out some of the appearances you've done to discuss football matters, where may they be able to find where you were a guest? Pro football show, I've been on numerous times. You know, I've done my own show on the true XFL and USFL fans. 
Uh, matter of fact, we did a show the other night. It was just me kind of talking and answering questions and bringing up some subjects that we've got coming up, hopefully in the near future with both leagues. Gosh, uh, I've been on XFL STL as well with uh, Arlington and Dirty and Will. I, I really enjoy talking with them. I've uh, also been on with John Turner in the past as well. So I, I enjoy doing the shows because it's, you know, we're talking football. I can do that all day long. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, Bert. I felt with your diverse background and interaction within the alternative football community that you would be an ideal guest to have a conversation regarding this topic. So let's get to it. In 2020, the XFL did a decent job, in my opinion, of employing minority head coaches. Three out of the eight head coaches were led by African-Americans with Pep Hamilton, Jonathan Hayes, and Winston Moss, which was a significant improvement from the original XFL in 2001 when it only employed the Memphis Manx head coach, Kippy Brown. I believe it is safe to say up to this point, the XFL has provided a fair opportunity to minority head coaching candidates. What I would like to discuss is seeing that the National Football League has such a poor record in this area of hirings. And with Doug Whaley's recent comments on TMZ Sports about Brian Flores' lawsuit, do you see that there could be an opportunity in 2023's buildup for the XFL? Without a doubt, I can see another, say if there's eight teams, personally, I'm one of the guys that think they're going to uh, add a couple teams this year, which hopefully we're getting that news uh, by the end of the week, since that's what The Rock promised. Uh, We'll see. But say if there's 10 teams in 2023, I would highly anticipate there being as many as four or five African-American coaches, head coaches in the league. There's definitely a big disparity in the NFL. Flores, in my opinion, was probably going to get one of the head coaching jobs that he was still up for until he filed that lawsuit. Now, that's just my personal opinion. I know one of the teams that was high on him is the Houston Texans, which are now reported to be hiring Lovey Smith, which used to coach my Chicago Bears back in the day. Yeah, so that, I, I that kind of came out of the middle of nowhere there. Lovey Smith, because he wasn't even reported to be a candidate until all of a sudden he was after they were down to two. Right, right, right. And I think it was what the Saints, Texans, and one other team. And when the Flores thing originally happened, where, where he was let go, me being a Chicago Bears fan, and I was like, hey, he would be a good candidate. I, I would enjoy him coaching the Chicago Bears because he had a decent record with Miami. Miami's a very poorly ran franchise historically, similar to what the Bears have endured for many years. And I'm like, hey, I think it was a bad fire, yada, 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 until I got a little more information that there was some conflict between him and the GM of the Dolphins, which I believe is also an African-American. And then uh, me being here in Alabama and being, of course, a Tua fan, I understand that uh, I felt like there's certain things you can say to players to try to motivate them, you know, kind of get a dig at them. But degrading them in front of the whole team is probably not the best method used. And some of that has came out in reporting as well. And that's when I backed off from being such a Flores fan. That's kind of where I stand with the matter. But as a head coach, 
I thought overall he did a very good job. Off the field might be a different story. My take from the Doug Whaley's TMZ sports interview, it sounds as if the XFL have not secured head coaches yet for 2023. Which leaves the door. Probably uh, uh, maybe two or three to answer your question. Yeah, mostly I think they're, uh, I think you're right on the money there. I believe they have started the process, but they haven't secured them, right? So even if they've completed a contract, one, two, three, four, they're not all filled. So, which leaves the door open to take advantage of the National Football League shortcomings. Right. Instead of hiring over-the-hill burnouts that no other leagues are calling to interview anyway, I believe the XFL should be reaching out to some of these highly touted young minority head coaching candidates. After all, as the National Football League season was approaching its conclusion, several of these minority candidates were in the continuous news cycle. To name a few, obviously Brian Flores, as soon as he was released, Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy, yep, uh, Raheem Morris, Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier. Now, I understand Bowles is almost 60 and Frazier is over 60, but they were consistently mentioned as highly touted candidates to replace other coaches that were being let go. Right. So see right. that Flores is still available. Byron Leftwich isn't secure. Eric Bieniemy might be with the Saints. That's not done deal, but may or may not. I think earlier they just announced, I don't know this for a fact, but I think that whoever the defensive coordinator is for the Saints, I think that's who they're going to promote as the head coach. That is who the front runner is, right? But with okay. what's going on, will they feel pressured maybe to go towards the enemy? I don't know. But either way, it's not guaranteed right now, and it doesn't even look like it may happen. But you still mm-hmm. have Raheem Morris is still coaching, so he isn't taking any time to interview with anybody. And these are it looks like they're almost all full before the Super Bowls even get played. So right. if that's the case, he can't be considered. But we know Todd Bowles and Leslie Frazier are not. So all of these highly touted. Candidates who are almost shooing to get a job someplace clearly have not as of yet, or even in Raheem Morris situation, doesn't even look like it's, he's going to have an opportunity to They'll already be full. Right. Now, I know the XFL head coach position is a hybrid head coach and general manager position, and it was reported back in 2020 they're making 500000 per season. So I know when looking at even coordinator salaries, there's a significant discrepancy from the National Football League down. However, I know it seems a bit unrealistic, but at some point, could we see the XFL reach out to these frustrated candidates and potentially have one or maybe even two of them upset enough where they are willing to sit down to actually talk with the XFL? With the state of the current situation with the NFL and with the head coaching disparity and all that. And with the fact of who's, you know, running and and who's kind of going to be the face of the XFL, which is, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the rock, I think pretty much everybody's familiar with him. I think it's a strong possibility. Absolutely. I could really, I mean, Pep Hamilton, I think did himself well with the uh, DC defenders. And I think it's just a matter of time before he'll be a head coach. I just, uh, yeah, I, I had a feeling that uh, Flores was definitely going to be 
a big, probably going to get hired from one of those remaining jobs until he filed the lawsuit. Uh, that was my feeling. Uh, and I understand why he did it. I'm just saying, you know, there's a cause and an effect. I think long-term, especially in the NFL, he really hurt himself about uh, doing the lawsuit. That's just my opinion. So let's remove Flores for a second. What mm-hmm. about Leftwich? What about the enemy? Could we see somebody frustrated enough? Because Leftwich got very close in Jacksonville. And it just came down to a couple of details. We could both end up in the XFL. I think they have been talked about for, what, about three years now of being, hey, they're going to be the next big young coach that's going to get their shot. But they haven't. I think without a doubt, if they sit down with a rock and, and they can work out something, I mean, obviously the XFL can't and does not need to pay what the NFL needs to pay. In my opinion, uh, not getting off the subject, I think McMahon could have trimmed the fat some in 2020. But do I think it's a possibility that BME or Leftwich gets their head coaching career started with the XFL or maybe the USFL in a couple of years? Absolutely. I, I think there is a possibility. I know when it comes to coordinator positions in the National Football League, there is actually a significant range. I don't know every coordinator's salary, but I do know two that I do some research on to find. Todd Bowles is making $3 million a year. I do mm-hmm. not see the XFL paying that type of money. However, the yeah. other salary I was able to find was Byron Leftwich's, and he makes $825,000 per year. 825000 compared to 500000 that was being paid in 2020. And yes. to prove himself as a good head coach and, and, you know, run the show, I would take the job, wouldn't you? I would have to seriously consider it because yeah. if one of the knocks against you is that you don't have experience head coaching, and I can get into that here in a little bit further, Right. there's that checklist, so to speak. And if you're not checking certain boxes, and if that's the excuse or the reason that they're not going after you, I think the desire and the frustration could be a powerful mixture. I'm not trying to discredit compensation because I know that people are trying to make money in football right. careers that tend to be shortened. It could, whether it's a playing career, coaching careers, they don't always have longevity. And I know there's no way the XFL can really truly compete with the National Football League coordinator salaries on the high-end level. I get that. But perhaps we could reach that tipping point where these qualified candidates get to the point where they're going to send a message back to the league, one that could also help them build their own resumes. And in the case yep. of Byron Leftwich and Eric Bieniemy, they lack that head coaching experience. Raheem Morris has it, but you know, he's back to corner, but these two particular candidates are lacking that. Right. There come a point where one could also just help build their own resume. I could see that either of them taking control of their own careers and at least listen to the professional alternative football league. That is the XFL. Maybe even accept a role that gives them control, such as an XFL's head coach, hybrid general manager position. Doing so would check off those checklists, experience in building a coaching staff from, you know, from the ground up, personnel decisions, player development, having all of player development fall in your responsibility. 
you can give credit to offensive coordinator, but still underneath the head coach's responsibility as well. You can get all that praise and then whatever else might be on that checklist. Yep. It might be worth a $325,000 pay cut, or maybe the XFL is willing to come up to six, six fifty, and you're only taking two or $175,000 pay cut, depending on the situation. If it's that close, why wouldn't you consider it? You don't necessarily have to go all the way down to college or be like, well, now you're dealing with kids. We're talking about the professional game. Well, you're dealing with 20 and 30 something year olds in the XFL. It's the same exact age range of what you're talking about. You're even talking about guys that have actually been in the NFL and they maybe dropped out and trying to get back. They actually, they already have an idea what that professionalism is. And now you're just grooming in no different than the new rookies that are coming in. Yep. Let me give you a scenario, even though I love money, just like the next guy. And I've owned a couple businesses in the past. I've ran businesses in the past. I have taken pay cuts to be in charge for certain companies or to be in a more friendlier situation. You know, I could have stayed here and made another 25 or 30,000 a year, or I could have been happy here and make what it will make here. Or I could have been a general manager of a store like I was in Mississippi, uh, making X amount of money and be completely in charge. Or, you know, with my sales ability, I can make a little bit more over here, but I still would not be able to run my own show and prove myself. And, and I've done the same thing myself. Of course, not on that level and not in that industry, but I've taken pay cuts to prove myself in the past. So why wouldn't they? I mean, they, they, they've obviously, look, I understand there's a big difference between a million and $500,000, but how much money for a year or two do you really need? to spend, you know what I'm saying? I don't think these guys are living paycheck to paycheck. They've got a bankroll is what I'm saying. And if they want to prove themselves and show everybody up that, hey, I told you I could do it, well, come on down and do it. And absolutely, I would love to see uh, B Enemy and Leftwich. They've been on everybody's list for, what, three years now? It would be great for them, in my opinion. It would be great for the XFL. It's a win-win situation for either one of them. And when you talk Absolutely. about taking pay cuts, we all have for various reasons, right? right. It could be for work-life balance, working longer hours, right? Or more days in a week. Some yep. people might work that six days. So you might take a pay cut just so you have it closer to that nine to five, maybe not exactly, but closer to that. Some people work nights, weekends, holidays, whatever. To me, it's no different than taking the pay yep. cut. From the NFL to the XFL, instead of having a 17-game schedule, you have a 10-game schedule. It would free up their time to spend with their families. And how many times do we hear players or coaches? It's what we just saw with Sean Bill Coward in the past and now Sean Payton. They're stepping away because, well, I just I don't want that daily grind. Well, they don't have to step away completely. And I'm not saying these guys are looking for that at this moment, but they could take the best of both worlds. They could still be coaching football, get the experience, maybe take a step back before they're really ready to eventually prove now they have the resume to actually get that job that they actually been coveting for the past two, three years, like you have mentioned. And now there's no reason of why they can't. They do this for a couple of years. And you look at left, which is in his early 40s. The enemies, I think, is in his mid 40s. If they do it for two years, three years, they're still on the right side of 50. The National Football League is looking for young blood. 
Yep. So I can't see it as a loss. Now I'm not lobbying for it to happen 100%, but can we see it happening? I can, I can see somebody being frustrated enough. Cause like you mentioned, and I know I've done it myself in the past, look at situations of jobs. If it's always about money, then it's not about having a personal life. But if you have right. goals and it's not just money related, if it's about actually principle and obtaining certain things yourself on your own checklist, yep. it seems like an opportunity where they could do that in a short Absolutely. time, minimal sacrifice, one or two years, get what you need. And then try to, if it doesn't work out, you still have job security at some point because you proven now you have coordinator head coaching. If the NFL still won't give you the time of day, shame on them, but the college ranks, now you just strengthen yourself to anything you want pretty much because you're still young enough. You've got head coaching experience, you've got coordinator experience. Now in this day and age with uh, spring leagues, they're popping up all the time. So it seems like there's going to be that opportunity as well. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that spring leagues are here to stay. It has been shown and proven that there's a market for spring football. The AAF went at it without no money. I, I don't want to get into the details, but I really have a great feeling about the XFL and uh, the USFL moving forward, and I think they're here to stay. I think the XFL was a lot closer to going in the black in year one than what they had ever, ever anticipated. They said it'd be year three before they could even get near that, and then the pandemic hit. And then the viewership was so much more than what they anticipated. Spring leagues are going to be here for guys like that to grow. And I'm telling you, if they do want to try the college ranks, my friend, there's a guy here in the town I live in that makes about eight, nine million a year coaching college ball. There's a lot of money in it. And there's a lot of guys making five to 10 million a year. You know, Jimbo Fisher, you know, Nick Saban, you could go on and on and on. I feel like. That might be the way that they need to go is to – these spots are filled and left, which and be enemy is still on the board. Come on to the XFL. I really think they have nothing to lose. I mean, we could talk about two, $300,000. Todd Bowles may not make the move because it's a significant drop for him. I get it. And he already has head coaching experience anyway from his time with the Jets. I believe that's he's, it. He's quite a bit older than those two, though, as well, isn't he? If I recall – Bowles might be 58, and I know Frazier's 62, I believe. But so the yes, enemy Leftwich is uh, early to mid-40s. I think Leftwich is around my age. I'm 42. I had it down here. So Leftwich is 42, exactly my age. And the enemy is, oh, 52 himself. So he is not on the right side of 40. Oh. I stand corrected. But Raheem yeah. Morris is 45. That must have been who I was thinking mid-40s. We're getting old, brother. I remember being playing that old wishbone or whatever at Colorado, man. I remember the 80s. There was some good football back in those days. Life. Remember uh, Colorado won one championship and competed for another. They had two great back-to-back years. When you look at Flores, he's only 40. I mean, I'm not. He was pretty young. I didn't realize he was that young. So even I if say you, young because I'm 42 as well, and God, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> well, coaching, coaching has always been an old man's gig. I mean, I remember yeah. high school, you rarely had the young coach. I got right. to college, you rarely had the young coach because I played college soccer, captain of my college soccer team. 
it just never really saw young coaches. And if it was, it was a startup program trying to get somebody, but it was really rare. Assistant coaches was a young man's game, but head coaches always seemed to be an old man's game. That's really changed. And we see the national football league, even see it, even some in other sports, baseball still really behind on it with major league baseball, but it is a young man's energy. I think now, and with the rules of the football changing to be more offensive, you know, the protection of uh, protecting it for offensive and really trying to increase the scoring and stuff like that. I think they want that new right. blood that's also looking at analytics in a way that the older coach would not. Look at how many times we see National Football League teams now going for a fourth down. In one game, the Buffalo Bills did not even punt. And they can continue to get the first down. It's just, it's a new way of playing football. So your old ball coach Steve Spurrier is not going to have that mentality. And I'm right, not right. saying he's not a great coach, but he's not going to have that mentality. And if you're playing against teams that are using every down at you, eventually you've got to change something yourself. Playing conservative versus somebody that's coming right. at you sooner or later, that coming at you keep biting you. Right, right. I'm glad you brought a different up Steve Spurrier. I don't have anything set in home, but there's two coaches right now, I promise you, that will be there for 2023 unless they have a problem with their health. Spurrier's mentioned the XFL uh, a couple times and said if they'd come back, he would definitely be there if they had a team in Florida. Steve Spurrier will be coaching for the XFL in 2023, and so will Bob Stoops for exactly the reason you just mentioned. Bob Stoops got tired of spending his whole life you know, at the football stadium, on recruiting trips. I really anticipate uh, both the guys, they still love the game, but this way they only got to coach and mess around with it for 12, 14 weeks, as opposed to year round. And that's two of the guys, and maybe a third would be a June Jones, which I'm real high on. Uh, I know he was close to taking the Hawaii job, uh, and we were going to lose him in the XFL, but, you know, their terms were just uh, crazy from what I gather. So, I would really anticipate those three to be back. Hayes, I know he's doing something else right now, but Bienemy Leftwich absolutely is an opportunity to come on to the XFL and maybe a couple more guys like you had mentioned. One thing that was brought to my attention, and it makes a lot of sense too, and you just hit on it, and that is that the fad right now, the fad is the young coaches that coach offense and the analytics. There is a disparity in, in the NFL where a lot of your offensive play callers are Caucasian and a lot of your defensive coordinators are African-American. And I think that has also played a part in the disparity uh, of the color disparity when it comes to head coaches. Because if you see a, a lot of the and I even heard ESPN and someone on a sports talk radio show, maybe Feinbaum, Someone mentioned that more African-American guys needed to start getting on the offensive side of the coaching because that is the fad right now is going after these new hot play callers. Deep down, I really do feel like that's part of it as well. But there again, be enemy and left, which are both offensive coordinators, are they not? It's definitely time for them to take the leap to the XFL, and, and I would love it. It would be great publicity for everybody, and I think it would get them started, headed in the right direction. I agree with most of what you said. I'm just going to rewind it back a bit. 
I'm a little concerned with Spurrier. I'm not sure what his health looks like. He's something always looks slow. I've seen him a lot more in golf carts and stuff and clips back with, with the Apollos. One thing, that's why I brought up his health. If so his I, health's okay, he has said numerous times he would love to come back and coach for the XFL if they had a Florida team. So I knew that if we made it to year two before the pandemic, they were Vipers were going to have Steve Spur and they were moving the team to Orlando. I would still anticipate the move to Orlando happening for sure. I agree, I agree with that as well. I do. I, if if you were ever to listen to some of my past episodes, I got into discussing some of that. I also agree that the Tampa to Orlando thing is a not a guarantee, but I think it is a right. very likely possibility. Well, some great stuff, Burp. This has been fun. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show. We should yes, definitely sir. do this again sometime. Absolutely. I appreciate you bringing me on, man. I I enjoyed it. I'd love to come back in the future. Well, thank you. Till next time. Cheers. For the love of football. Absolutely. In addition to Bert's take on the Brian Flores class action lawsuit against the National Football League and its potential impact on the XFL, I posted a poll on the show's Twitter account. I simply asked, with the Brian Flores class action lawsuit against the National Football League, Miami Dolphins, New York Giants, Denver Broncos, and the potential of more joining the lawsuit, should the XFL make a stronger effort to court quality minority candidates? The poll received 77 votes, with yes receiving 85.7% and no receiving 14.3%. I am not surprised by the poll's results. As Jeremy, with a Twitter handle, at BangalaBur16, and I quote, Technically, they did with three minority head coaches in the earlier version, end quote. The XFL did well hiring minority head coaches in 2020. I would like to think there is the potential for the XFL to reach out to more qualified candidates, such as Byron Leftwich or Eric Bieniemy, like I discussed with Bert. It is just my personal take. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I'm interested in receiving your feedback, so do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts, and if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show. And one more thing, make sure you take a moment to participate in our new Twitter poll, which asks... In an effort to increase viewership, should the XFL create an international player roster requirement? Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.